Welcome to What the Fun Podcast with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Glad you can join us as we explore all aspects of entertainment and current events with industry professionals, friends, and us. Welcome. All right, friends, here we are, episode 12. The last episode of our first season and our very first podcast show. Yay! 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 <laughs> well, I can't believe that we've completed 12 episodes in how many months? June? Oh, no. May is it's when we started. May. Yeah. That's when we started our first May episode. Didn't our May episode, first episode come out in the beginning of May? I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember. No, it was in the middle of May, I think. I think was we it? were late because we were behind. <laughs> we were behind. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I think Renee is right. I think we did um, start the second week. But um, it's so cool how we just started to pick up speed because <laughs> remember having to research, how do you even start a podcast show and going through all that, you know, um, online yeah. researching? I mean, we've said it, you know, but literally... Google is our best friend. Yes, yes because that was it. <laughs> without Google and YouTube, what would we do? <laughs> we would be lost. <laughs> My relationship with the Google and the YouTube solidified during this process for sure. Thank <laughs> God. Like, I knew they were there, but I just didn't know how close friends we were going to become. <laughs> we are BFFs. Yep. BFFs. Yep. So thankful for technology to allow us to be able to instantly research these things. Yeah. Uh, but also our friends, though. Our friends have helped us out a lot. So much. Immensely, yes. We, we would also be lost. You <laughs> <laughs> don't know anything. Not, <laughs> only, not only have they like been good like people, resources to help us along, but also like they were resources that we used to interview. Because yeah. many of the people we've interviewed are have family or friends, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, which again... Didn't know that our network was so deep. <laughs> <laughs> and we know so many talented individuals. So, yeah. Yeah. We did it. We did. And I had so much fun meeting all of these amazingly talented folks. Mm-hmm. So many wonderful, um, talented people joining us, sharing their, you know, their their line of work, their insights, their journey, everything in between to, you know, to their successes, where they're at today. I, it's, it's really, really inspiring. And yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from mm-hmm. some of our guests, especially with um, Aureli and Laura, a couple <laughs> episodes back with The Hustle. I tend to use the word hustle a lot, you know, uh-huh. when it comes to like just figuring out things in life. Well, what is my hustle? How am I going to achieve that? Well, you know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's like what, that's like the perfect phrase to describe not just entertainment, but, you know, just in general, working professionally. Mm -hmm. Like whenever I would talk to student groups and they would ask me about my career, I would just be like, you bet. You better get ready to work. <laughs> it's no cakewalk. So, you know, yeah. like you have to hustle. You have to be out there. And I think that's what I like the most. And like, I think Tiffany, Tiffany Keys, you know, said it so well, you know, and just like having uh, to, you know, 
put herself out there and take the risk and start her mm-hmm. business. And she is working. That girl is busy. Yes. And it's great, you know? So I love that. Renee, do you have a special uh, segment here? <laughs> sure, sure. I think I think Renee's favorite one would have to would would have been um, I think with Simon Curtis. I was gonna. Yes. Come on, Kimmy knows. Uh, what part of that? Everything, everything. <laughs> everything. That whole exactly. episode. I mean, yeah, yeah. That was really good. To give yourself I- permission. Mm-hmm. You know, that is another. That's another um, phrase that will resonate. Yeah, I think that that definitely resonated with me. You're right. You know me so well. <laughs> it's <laughs> like so we many, meet every day or something. It's like we meet every day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, definitely that episode. There's just so many tidbits um, that just resonated with me from giving yourself permission to take that step, to do mm-hmm. that thing that you're afraid of. Um to looking at things as not a competition all the time, but like an opportunity. Yeah. You know, someone's doing better than you. That's not not bad thing. That's a good thing. That's like mm-hmm. an aspiring thing and putting jealousy and all that aside. So right. I it all it all just made sense. And I think we cried and laughed a lot during that episode, but we've laughed and cried during a lot of episodes. <laughs> so I think laughing and crying during the filet fish Oh my God. I have never laughed <laughs> so hard. I just don't, I still don't understand the filet fish <laughs> And you still haven't you still haven't had the filet fish have you? No, and I will never because I don't like fish and I don't eat gluten. So it's like. <laughs> she will never. But that doesn't mean you can't like appreciate its look and like mm-hmm. pet it and take a picture with it and be uh, like, you're the most beautiful bun ever. <laughs> and then you and then you can give the filet fish to Sean afterwards. He also he doesn't, doesn't, doesn't oh, eat gluten. <laughs> what is this world coming to? He's <laughs> a gluten-free household. <laughs> We're gonna have oh. to just go to McDonald's Corporation and just ask them to create gluten-free buns that still have the consistency, softness, and oh my god, yummy. like the filet. What would fish. that be though? Like that's not even real food at that point. <laughs> like, that, is, no, that, that would be real food. Like that's oh, the that thing. Would is that, that would be the real food, and then the current filet fish is not real food. <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's not real McDonald's food. <laughs> That's not real McDonald's food because it is real food. That's the thing. <laughs> oh man! Oh my god! That's too funny. Um, you know, one of the things that we had talked about a lot frequently in our episodes was my lack of showering and I am pleased to share with everyone that I have increased my um, (laughs) shower intakes and shower basically five days a week yes nice but you know remember how I talked about Pringles yes an obsession one day yeah well I um, unfortunately reverted back to that I've been having this snack attack lately and have been <laughs> indulging on the Pringles. Oh, the snack That's attack. 
snack no, attacks? No, I literally, I, I feel like I snack all the time. Like when I would go to work, I, my lunch wouldn't even be like mm-hmm. a meal. It would just be like six different snacks. Yes. <laughs> Yes, those little Parmesan crispy thingies. Those were my favorite. <gasps> but yeah, you would come oh, out like you would have like so a little good. container that was like mm-hmm. a quarter size and then you're eating out of that and then another little container. <laughs> <laughs> I just have snacks. I love snacking and I snack on all sorts of stuff. Chips are my favorite. Mm. I love chips. I could eat chips every single day. What kind of chips? Potatoes. Oh, yeah. Potato chips. My favorite flavor is barbecue. Any kind of barbecue chips, I will eat them. Doesn't matter. My favorite type of potato chip are the kettle potato chips that are like extra crunchy with the salt and vinegar. Salt and vinegar kettle potato chips. But then you dip them in cream cheese. Oh, so good. The cream cheese tends to neutralize the vinegar. So uh, you should try it. Wow. I love the Lay's. Anything that has, like, Frito-Lay. <laughs> Dorito-Lay. <laughs> Anything. Any kind of Chips-Lay. <laughs> have you, like, ch- have you ever tried those obnoxious flavors? Like, like chicken and waffles Frito-Lay? Or not Frito-Lay's. Wait. Yes. Because okay. I think it was Kathy Cunningham would always come to work with a new bag. Like, they have a new flavor and you'd have to try them. And I like the little Frito. I think those are my favorite. I think it's just Frito chili cheese, Frito twisties, Frito mm. anything, and Doritos. Those are like. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been fun, ladies. It's been a good season one. I'm excited about season two. Yes, me mm-hmm. too. We've got a lot of great guests lined up. I know. But we, won't, we won't tell you because, you know, we want to a surprise. <laughs> yeah, we have good guests lined up for season two. It'll be fun. Yes. Already working on it. We have some other news that I'm sure we'll tell you about as soon as we make them concrete. Um, so we also want to hear from our listeners in regards to any potential guests they would like to hear on the show. So if they're interested in a certain subject or they know of a person and they want to have them interviewed like Oprah someday. Just let us know. <laughs> yes, do it. Message us on Instagram. Give us a comment on Facebook. Email us. We're around. So let's get to our last guest of season one. Two DJs, DJ Icy Ice, and DJ Double Play from the world famous be junkies we have them here yes oh my gosh we're so excited to have them join us um they are two busy djs rocking the uh, entertainment industry and the nightclub scene um here in southern california and las vegas um my gosh their their resume is so intensive especially with um dj double play since he does vegas and you know does a lot of you know the uh, the lounges all of the hotels, a lot of hotels out there. And then um, Icy Ice travels the world and does a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> does a lot of tours. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. It's just going to take us back to the 90s when it all started. Okay, it's, it's kind of started in the 80s, but that's a different story. <laughs> They're from the 90s generation. So I'm excited. I'm excited for one. 
Well, ladies, uh, let's go ahead and bring them in. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to both of you because um, season one has been great and it's got us through a lot. And I don't want to cry, but I just want to let you know that I'm very grateful. Oh, <laughs> I know we did it. I can't believe that we pulled it off. Yes, indeed. I love that, I love that you know, the pandemic brought us together, but like just this made us even more closer. So I'm very yeah. grateful to have you know both of you be a part of this amazing amazing endeavor i love it oh i love you guys we're doing it doing it let's bring bring in our djs Joining us today are two well-known DJs in the nightlife and radio industry. These two have quite the extensive resume. So without, you know, going into all their extensive background, I want to quickly jump into bringing these amazingly talented music professionals in our show, onto our show. Um, Isaiah Dacio, a.k.a. DJ Icy Ice, and John Palma, a.k.a. DJ Double Play. Welcome to What the Fun Podcast! Woo! <laughs> thank you for having us. We're very <laughs> thank you. What the thank fun? you for joining us. <laughs> what the <laughs> we're very excited to have you guys join us today. Um, you know, I, I, I'm looking at I'm reading your backgrounds and I'm just a little overwhelmed at just all of both of your accomplishments. Uh, DJ Icy Ice, you've got quite the resume being universal in the DJ spectrum. You know, you've you, you well, first of all, you are a part of the original. You're, you're an original member of the world famous Beat Junkies. In addition to that, you've also been an exclusive party DJ for big time celebrities such as Manny Pacquiao, Black Eyed Peas, Kanye West. You also um, partied with the Grammy Awards, um, American Music Awards, just to name a few, and then some. Out in the LA area, you you radio on air with Power One Hundred Six, and you've also. Um, uh, DJed for 92.3 The Beat, 93.5 K-Day. <sighs> I can't breathe anymore. <laughs> 93.9 FM with Rick in the morning. I don't think I could survive being a, a DJ announcer. Oh my gosh. But uh, that is my background. And then... And then switching over to John Double Play Palma, he's got quite the residency in Las Vegas. I mean, here we go again. Take a deep breath in. He is a resident DJ for Caesar's Palace, you know, the, the link, um, Fremont Street Experience over at, um, the Brass Lounge, House of Blues, uh, Mandalay Bay, Foundation Room, Mandalay Bay, Venetian at the V Bar, Palazzo, good heavens. And you've also DJed for big time clients such as Disney and Tom Shoes and also, um, for celebrities as well in private, um, events. So, gentlemen. You guys don't have enough to do here. You guys need to do more work. What's going on here? Hey, it's nothing yeah. but what the fun. Yeah, exactly. It's all about fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's all in the name of fun. Oh my. Yeah. Well, welcome to our show. Welcome to our podcast. Let's jump into it. Let's let's hear about your background. Like let's hear about what what about DJing, what music, like, was it school? Was it playing an instrument? Why did you decide that you wanted to pick up DJing? What was that experience like for you? Sure. Well, I mean, I was a young kid back in junior high, and I just wanted to get out of the house and have fun. You know, I see my friends going to these house parties, and, you know, you just want to be part of the cool crowd. And, 
you know, in order to get there, you had to pay your dues. So in order to kind of start DJing, I had to be the guy carrying the, the records, the, the turntables, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, it, eventually I got there. And uh, that's how it really started for me. Because, you know, I always, always had love for music. I mean, I played in a jazz band and orchestra before. So, I mean, I, I had some way to continue on with DJing. So that's really how it started for me. Very cool. Very cool. Now, what about you, Isaiah? Yeah, with me, I, I, I was uh, I started at a very young age, so I wasn't even able to get out the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear but I, I, just, I just had this love for music, you know. Um, and when when I, I heard the DJs playing on the radio for the, for the very first time, it just caught my ear, and I fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with the whole scratching and and then remixing a song and and uh doing things with with music just kind of remixing on the spot so those were my first things but when i first went to my junior high dance and i saw the dj performing the lights shining the girls and the guys dancing and Mm -hmm. just people going crazy to certain songs and the power and the effect that the dj had over the crowd i was like i had to become a dj that that, Mm -hmm. that that was my that was my first exposure, and that was that's what made me want to become a DJ at first. But mm-hmm. of course, being a junior high kid, you don't have the means, you don't have the money. Um, you're at the mercy of what your parents will get you, and mm-hmm. all of that good stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> I had to pay my dues, like John, but in yeah. other ways, doing chores and doing other things, working with my dad on the weekends yep. to raise any kind of money to get one <laughs> turntable. <laughs> you got one turntable. I got I got zero. <laughs> I had to borrow somebody else's. So the, the funny thing was that we had to pool our equipment together because um, we were all too young. So mm. one friend would would uh, save up for one turntable. I saved up for the other turntable, and then our other friend saved up for the mixer. Mm. And then we just kind of used our boom boxes as our speakers, and that's mm. how we got to practice. Mm. But yeah, we bought our our first set, and it would just kind of rotate to our friends' houses. And then we all buy records individually by not eating at lunch and saving that lunch money and going to the record store and buying one record for the for the week or something like that. (laughs) And that's how we built our record collection. But it it all started very, you know, very innocently, but all for the love. And and then we had to pay some dues big time to become DJs. Yeah. So um, it's interesting that you say you just picked it up. You just started saving when you saw the light and you're like, I, I need to do this. You started saving money. You started following your friends around, whatever it was to try to get into it and, and do it. And it was very hands-on experience because nowadays you can go to YouTube, you can go to Google and you can figure it out. How'd yeah. you guys like put that together? Was that what made it even more fun and more interesting and in the creative process? I mean, I think so. Um, yeah, we didn't have YouTube back then. And so <laughs> instead of watching a person do it on YouTube, we had to buy a physical record mm-hmm. and listen to that record and listen to what that DJ was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you tune into the radio and you listen to what the DJ was doing on the radio. And at that time, it wasn't, you know, mix show DJs weren't even on FM. They were on AM. They were on yeah. AM radio mm-hmm. uh, back at that time when we started. And um, we would listen to 1580 K-Day, the, the K-Day Mixmasters, and mm-hmm. listen to what they were doing. So it was a lot more listening and figuring it out 
and using our imagination versus Mm -hmm. watching someone play by play how to do it Mm. on YouTube. Yeah. I think you struck a chord there, Ice. I mean, the part of the experience that we went through was the part listening, right? And I think it's really one of the fundamentals, I, in my opinion, of DJing. Um, because I think it helps you create your own version of, of the music later in your own ways versus you know, looking at a computer screen and not paying attention to the music. Mm-hmm. That's where I think those are the parts that are missing, the, the fundamentals. So uh, yeah, and know. then and uh, we built our collections over time. You know, we would save our lunch money and go to the record store to buy one record. Nowadays, a kid can go to another DJ and say, "Hey, let me download your whole library," mm-hmm. and you instantly have it. But then you don't have the same appreciation for that one song or that one artist or knowing you know who produced what and getting to mm-hmm. know the the record inside out versus you know downloading somebody's library and then having to figure that out you know so i think there's a, a lot more appreciation and and it happened over time versus just uh you know s- something instant nowadays mm-hmm. so when you went to mom and dad and were like i want to be a dj for my career <laughs> how did that go <laughs> <laughs> You are going to be a doctor. You're not going to be a DJ. What is that all about? Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, for me, I didn't really tell them because they always thought that I was just going out gallivanting, right? That's what it is. They think that I'm out there just partying and just being just crazy and not being responsible type of deal. So it's like, no, I just want to go out there and actually learn how to use this turntable, which is like the instrument that I was practicing on the radio, you know, with you know my orchestra and jazz band. But that's all I wanted to do is just uh, do that, buy records, and you know, share music. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't really tell them that. You know, I'm going to go in a career, but I just say, you know, <laughs> I like to play music. Oh, you know, funny thing is, oh, my dad liked to play music too because I found me parties. He bring his uh, little. Uh, Set up there. We had an E track and uh, uh, one of those <laughs> belt drive turntables. Yeah, did it <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and my dad would play it at parties. I said, "Well, you, you do it too." So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I too learned a lot from my my dad in terms of music. Um, but yeah, in terms of your question, going back to uh, making it a career, I didn't exactly say, hey, dad, I want to become a, a DJ for my career. I just kind of gradually ingrained it into his, his head that I, <laughs> I well, I, I, you know, obviously, you know, you, you have Asian parents, Filipino parents, they want you to go to school. That's, that's like number one thing in our culture. Mm-hmm. And they don't care what you do as long as you go to school. Mm-hmm. And so I went to school, but then like John, I partied a lot. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I was at a party all the time. And, yep. um, but I think as I was going into college, I was starting to work in radio at the same time. Mm. So I first started college radio, and then my dad didn't really think anything of that. Mm-hmm. And then I made it on to like public radio. Mm-hmm. My dad didn't think anything of that. And then Next thing you know, I, I, I make my break into 92.3 The Beat, which was the hot, hot 
R&B hip hop station at the time. And my dad didn't really understand what that was all about. But mm-hmm. when his coworkers were like, you're, your son is Icy Ice, huh? Or, yeah. or you're the dad of Icy Ice. Then my dad was like, oh, you know my son? <laughs> yeah, listen to him on the radio. <laughs> and then my dad kind of like took notice. My mom, she was always just supportive, period, you know. But yeah, mm-hmm. my dad was the, he was the, he was the iron fist, what he said. So I always yeah. had to do things for his approval, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think when I made it on radio and people started asking him if I was his son, that was a, that was a turning point. When I think about DJs, you know, I mean, you guys are are a different type of musicians because you truly need to hear that beat and know when to be able to integrate another different type of music into another one to create that remix. And so if you can just explain really quick, exactly what is turntablism for our viewers (laughs) who are like, you know, wait, what, you know, I I could better answer that. Uh, <laughs> it was part of that definition, right? Because <laughs> that definition, I I picked up from the beat junkies right there. So uh, tell us about turntablism. Hmm. Okay, so well, we're talking about DJing in general, and so a lo- a lot of uh, people that aren't really uh, hip to what DJing is, they just think of a person talking on the radio or an announcer. A um, so. Yeah. A disc jockey, that's what exactly it derives from, is disc jockey, playing record discs. Um, But yes, those are on-air personalities that are talking. And then the DJ is the actual person that takes two records and mixes them flawlessly into one another, Mm -hmm. um, keeping a perfect beat and keeping a, um, a perfect mix going. Now, turntablism takes it a step further. Mm-hmm. And so turntablism is more like the musician or like the art form, the true mm-hmm. art form of DJing. And so that's where you get into more of the technical skill. Mm-hmm. So not, not, not that you're just mixing two records together and keeping a perfect mix, but you're actually cutting, you're scratching, you're, um, you're blending an acapella ov- over a different beat, or mm-hmm. you're, you're uh, just doing things in a way more creative fashion in terms of, um, you know, mixing. So then that's where you're a turntablist because just like you're a pianist or guitarist, a turntablist is more into the art form and the musicality of being a DJ. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I I got, I I should took notes on that one. (laughs) And that fundamental, that fundamental, um, skill set it just helps elevate you as a dj i would feel you know like you have that foundation and then now you can add on with using your computer and using all of these other technical things that are now out there so i think you know that's really great to always have that that foundation so you guys are both part of the world famous beat junkies can you tell us a little bit about who they are and what they do so Beat Junkies is a group of friends, first and foremost. Um, we're all, we all kind of derive from other DJ groups. We were all part of different DJ groups. But in the 90s, um, you know, a lot of different things were just happening at the time. And a lot of different um, 
a lot of different things from car culture to gang culture to dance culture to just everything was was pulling in different directions. And us as DJs, we felt like, man, let's form a crew that really aspires to you know the art form of DJing. And so then we 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 have this crew that came together. Um, J Rock and DJ Curse were the first two to formulate the whole idea and then they they pulled everybody together and so uh, me being one of the original members i i'm one of the very first members that were pulled in prior to some of the others uh, that that are also in the group as well but came in at a later time and um but yeah ultimately the beat junkies is a super collective of djs mm. and we um we really love the art form of DJing, but we also we also have our hands in all different forms of DJing. That is yeah. awesome. Now, now double play Palma. Mm-hmm. We've we've got the one side from radio station to you know being a part of a crew and you know um, with icy ice, but you've got the nightlife scene. You've got Vegas. I mean, Vegas is Sin City. And when we think of Vegas, it's it's casinos, it's slot machines, it's buffets, and it's also the nightlife. Tell us about spinning at clubs and lounges. What is that culture like? How is it for you as a DJ there? Very dynamic. Um, this is an understatement. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, of course, I mean, there's there's a lot of clubs that not only just in Vegas, but I guess Vegas is a little more special where a lot of people and celebrities come to play and you'll see some of those sightings uh, more frequent than, you know, some other spots. And uh, the things that go on here may be a little more extreme to some folks. I mean, it's a 24 hour town, right? So you could be partying right up into when the sun comes up. So all kinds of adult related activities happened in Vegas and I, I've seen quite a few that you know I can't really share on this podcast but <laughs> you can almost imagine um, where yeah it, it's it's interesting to say the least but uh, it's fun nonetheless you know just to experience some things like that you know. so you guys mentioned before that DJs are now starting to use Twitch um, as a platform to do these online sets and Twitch is usually use as a gamer's platform. Can you guys explain to us how it's grown, how Twitch has grown in popularity during the pandemic and why DJs decided to move over to that platform? The reason we moved on to Twitch was because the original platforms, when when this whole quarantine started, we were all stuck in our homes. Uh-huh. And then D-Nice was one of the very first to... Uh, to just start playing music for people and start DJing on a regular basis for people. And so mm-hmm. he caught everybody's attention and he, he got a lot of love and notoriety from it. And so every DJ and their mama kind of followed suit. Mm-hmm. Um, us as our crew of Snapback, um, we decided as a crew to let's, let's be there for our peoples. Let's, let's, let's make people feel good through the music. And let's uh, let's let's play for them as well. So we kind of followed same, the same suit, and we originally started on Facebook and Instagram, and we tried YouTube as well. But all of those platforms, Instagram was the only one that was allowing us to play um, mm-hmm. almost full sets. Mm-hmm. But then, as the as the time went through, I think the music industry took notice, and then they they 
they were really hounding Instagram for not having those licenses for playing music. Uh, they, they're allowed to, they have the licenses for people to use one minute clips in their, mm-hmm. in their, um, their mini videos and their stories and things like that, but not do full one hour sets of uh, DJ sets and things like that. So I think mm-hmm. the music industry came down hard on Instagram and started putting their clamp on them. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, DJs were playing sets and then, Second song into their set, we're getting cut off. And then you jump back in, you know, two songs later, you're getting cut off again because you're playing something by Drake or something by Rihanna or something by Mm Jay-Z. And it was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And so the DJ community was looking around for other alternatives. And we noticed that gamers were playing games with music in their background all the time. And they would go hours and hours and hours without being cut off. Mm -hmm. And so. One DJ figured it out, and then slowly and surely, you know, the DJ community started trickling over to Twitch. And now, I think we've bombarded Twitch so much that it's become an, a DJ platform as well as a, a gamers platform. Mm-hmm. And so now, Twitch serves both DJs and gamers. And, and Twitch even made an official music uh, a music site just for DJs within the the platform. Where do you feel that, I mean, DJing has come a long way. Like you've evolved into like doing major events. You work on radio stations. You're heard, uh, you, I mean, concerts, there's Twitch. There's so many different mediums, but where do you feel it's going to in the future? Like where, how is it evolving? I think um, we're evolving right now as, as we speak, right, John? Uh, You agree with this? Definitely. I mean, especially, you know, with the question of pandemic earlier, I mean, it's really caused us to adapt to the changing environment now. And, and I, I think it also helped DJs discover another revenue opportunity as well, Mm -hmm. because, you know, there are, there is a way for DJs to make money on Twitch aside from just playing there. So I think we may see DJs adopt this method as part of their whole portfolio when they go out and do live performances. You know, I think, you know, uh, events um, like in lounges, bars, I'm not sure. I won't say clubs yet. You know, clubs is uh, a, a different topic. But private events, those will continue. But I think mm-hmm. DJs will also include, you know, um, internet-based type of performances as part of their portfolio. Mm-hmm. So you guys mentioned before that because you guys started doing sets on Twitch that you don't really have to play a lot of the top 40s like you would if you were in a club or a lounge. So what kind of music do you really enjoy playing? I like Playing different things because that's what Vegas taught me to do is to be versatile, mm-hmm. play different kinds of music. So mm-hmm. um, once in a while, I'll play like what is called an open format set. That means you're just basically playing all different genres. And I like it because it's a challenge, you know, mm-hmm. trying to mix like a country into a hip hop um, People would kind of shy away from something like that. Uh, but if you can make it sound uh, musically different, um, mm-hmm. then it's a, it's a win. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
going back to your question, I mean, what, what is my favorite? Uh, it's uh, hip hop in house, but uh, mm-hmm. I like to play everything else. What generation of hip hop? <laughs> like hip hop is true. Yeah, you know what? the whole uh, thing. The whole, <laughs> that is a good book? question <laughs> because you know the recent hip hop is um, been debated, right? Either you love it or you hate it. I 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 hate it so much. I can't. It's so monotone. That's what it sounds like to me. There isn't really much to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the feedback I would hear. But, you know, when you play to like, you know, a newer lounge or club or even the high schools here, that is what gets them going. That's what animates those pool parties. Yeah, and parties, even yeah. pool parties. And and I, I figure like, you know, each generation kind of gets exposed to that sound of the time, right? And that's what makes them move. And for us, you know, 80s and 90s is what we grew up, the synth sounds of the mm-hmm. 80s, the, the, the 808 beats of the 90s. And uh, even some of the some of the grunge rock, even in the in the '90s too, right? You get exposed to that type of sound and style, and that's that's what we associate with the memory, and that's what we love. Mm-hmm. And yes. when a new sound comes out in this generation, it's a bit foreign, and you know you you're, you won't accept it as well, especially if you're not in a situation where you're making memories to it. Um, I prefer the. Uh, older generations only because there's more elements in the sound. The musicality. But, I don't I don't think the musicality yeah. is 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 yeah. there. I agree. And I think um some of the rappers uh content isn't as great as what it was in the nineties. But I download music every week just to see what's new. Mm-hmm. And I have to listen to it and I have to be open about it. Mm-hmm. And what I hear is, you know, the same type of trap beat. Um, the same words, uh, the same, and it's mm-hmm. it's it feels like it's recycled. And but there are some ones out there who are pretty creative, and that's the one I kind of latch on to. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, like your Kendricks, your Corey yeah. Guns, your your J yeah. Coles, like yeah, those they, guys. They're still very talented MCs yes. that are are delivering in that style that we're talking about, but there is way more that are not than there are yeah it's definitely that artistry because i know that for me music especially the language the lyrics if you know how to use them if you're creative you're poet they're poets you know and 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 it gives you right the dj the more room to play i don't know i just feel like it it works better and now it's like every other word you have to like bleep out or you know it's just it's not it's so literal now that it's not as um as romantic quote unquote as it used to be if you think hip-hop was romantic at all but you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah no the 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 art form in its delivery and its ex- expression, it's it's way different now as it was back then because people used to spread knowledge through the music. They would have a message through that music. They would express an art through that music. Nowadays, there's very few that that have that same ability 
as compared to before. So I, I think that's that's one thing um, that that is is lacking with uh, today's MCs. So um, I, I I don't remember if we talked about this, but I'm just gonna ask again. Um, so okay. tell us about snack snack snack. I'm hungry. Snack back. <laughs> snack we, back. Have the, we have the coolest snack. snacks. <laughs> we got chicharrones. We got, um, yes, tell us about snapback. Um, snapback. It uh, came out of a time when EDM was just ruling the land in terms of the music landscape. And so us as Snapback, we said, well, we want to do a club where we can play all the stuff that we grew up to, all the stuff that we love, all the, the 90s hip hop and the R&B and reggae and just the genres that you don't usually hear in these big Vegas clubs or Hollywood clubs. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, went, we formed Snapback. And it started at, at small bars in Los Angeles and eventually made its way into North Hollywood, uh, L.A., Long Beach, and, and uh, Vegas. And the whole premise of Snapback was to just play nothing but the classics, all the stuff that we love. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's what we did. And Snapback's been around for eight years. And um, unfortunately, our, our home base in Long Beach closed down due to COVID, like in, for, you know, definitely for mm-hmm. good. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure once we get back to normalcy, we'll, uh, we'll eventually find a new home for, for uh, Long Beach as well. And we, we serve good snacks, too. Snack <laughs> 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 back. Snack back. <laughs> so which DJs really inspired you? to continue DJing and pursue a career in DJing and which ones kind of took you under their wing and showed you the ropes and influenced you? That's an easy question for me. So I'm going to go first. You're looking at him right now, Mr. Icy Ice. Yes. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. No, but seriously, I remember, I, I think we discussed before, there was a period in time where I had a gap in my DJing career. Where it was the '90s and up to the early 2K, my my brother got me back into it because he just started playing with my equipment. He started booking us gigs, and I said, "Okay," so started doing these things, and that's when I reconnected with ICIs at some point. And I think he gave me some music as well, um, and just trying to get back on my feet and trying to understand some of this, you know, what's going on, and you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there was there, yeah, there was a period of time where I wasn't you know, playing any songs for a good decade. So I had a lot of catching up to do. I mean, I mean, I heard it on radio and all, but I haven't had an opportunity to play it in front of a crowd. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that guy right there is probably the one who, uh, you know, <laughs> oh. got me into it more so. Did you know that I see? Right did you know that? You <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> I didn't know that, no. Yeah. I knew we had good snacks, though. (laughs) No, I didn't know that, John. Thanks. (laughs) Um, For me, it goes back to um, listening to 1580 K-Day, the K-Day Mix Masters. They were my first inspirations, listening to them on air. Uh, My man Julio G was the one that that gave me my break. So Julio Mm -hmm. G was an original K-Day Mix Master. Um, I had a chance encounter with Julio G invited him out to one of our legend parties. And then he was just blown away by like seeing 
1,500 Filipino and Asian kids rocking to some hip hop. And he's mm-hmm. like, what? I've never known that this was a, a thing. Mm-hmm. And so when he got that time slot, he, he uh, offered to bring me on as a guest, as well as a lot of our Beach Unky um, brothers as well. And he gave me my break. My man, uh, Curse of the Beat Junkies, he was one of my other mentors as well that just kind of like showed me the ropes. Repmatic, also a Beat Junkie. Fast forward all the way to today, um, I see a lot of young kids inspire me. A lot of these DJs on Twitch inspire me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just get a lot of inspiration just from just the, the love and the community and, and uh, just everything that's going on through this whole uh, Twitch platform right now. So it, it's... It's a beautiful thing. So as we um, wrap up this interview, what's your last little bits of words of wisdom for our listeners? For me, um, keep music as a part of your life. I think music uh, is powerful in many ways. It, it can be a soul to one person. It could be something that uplifts you when you're times when you're sad or depressed. It could be something where it just energizes you. Um, it could be also a teacher. Uh, I think with a lot of the young generations these days, I think exposing them to music early on is a key thing to keep good music going. But it also opens up their minds to a lot of other things too, um, and that's where I think those are the diff, you know just the small uh, examples that music can bring. So mm-hmm. I, I think keep music as part of your life. Yeah, that is awesome. Well said. Okay. Yeah, kind of adding to what John is saying there. Um, yeah, music has got to be your number one thing that you put first in in uh, in your art as a DJ. The other thing I, I would say is that if you're doing it, if you're doing this art for the money or for the notoriety or for the for the girls, you're doing it all for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it because you love the music, because you want to master the art, because you want to put some really create creative art or creative mixes together or you want to express yourself creatively or you want to perform because you love mm-hmm. the performance aspect of it then that's what you're you're doing it for you're doing it all because you ultimately love it mm-hmm. and as long as you're doing it for the right reasons you'll be able to do it for a long time if you're doing it for the wrong reasons you'll be in and out real quick amen to that Great job. Great job, gentlemen. Oh my gosh, this was good. This was good, good, well, thank good. Thank you for having us. I like it. Oh, thank you for uh, joining us. You. Oh, my Lanta. <laughs> if you'd like to follow our awesome DJs on social media, you can follow Isaiah Dacio, aka DJ Icy Ice, at DJ Icy Ice, and John Palma, aka DJ Double Play, at DJ dbl play on instagram and don't forget to tune in to snapback live on instagram and twitch to hear dj icy ice double play and their friends rocking the turntables live by following them on instagram and twitch at snapback underscore live and once again we want to thank you for supporting the first season of what the fun podcast your support and feedback has helped with our success this season and we are looking forward to season two 
So please continue to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wikiki.Productions for the latest news and updates on our upcoming season. So we're going to take a little quick hiatus, but we're going to be back with season two starting on November 6th. And we are so excited we're going to continue to have all of these amazing industry professionals on our podcast to continue to share their stories and inspire like we've been doing for the past few months. But in the meantime, if you haven't caught all of our episodes, they are still up and available on all of our podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you stream, we are there ready to entertain you. And if you are still looking for even more theater podcasts, there's a great one called the Theater Art Life Podcast, which is amazing. We love that podcast so much and they love and support us here over at What The Fun. So please make sure to check them out. They are also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Okay, so Renee, <laughs> sing us out, sing us out. What the fun, what the fun, what the fun podcast. Three girls <laughs> in a cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, friends. Bye. See you soon.